episode five of the Sales Crew Podcast. Uh, today, we welcome a man of many talents. Uh, and one of the talents that I'm most intrigued with is this gentleman is one of the only guys I know who can actually rock a fedora. So without <laughs> further ado, let me introduce Morgan Ingram. Morgan, how you doing? What's going on, man? <laughs> At what age did you realize that you have the head, the look, whatever, to accommodate a fedora? Because it's rare. So it was... 2015 so I was 21 yeah 21 so I saw it in my brother's room and I was like yeah this is something that I definitely want to rock I just wanted to do something different in my first talk and so he said yeah you can go ahead and take it so I put it on and people really vibe with it for whatever reason so I was like all right cool <laughs> I'm gonna wear the fedora so for like yeah for five to six years I wore the fedora I don't I don't wear it at all pretty much at this point um i switched to style and now i wear just my my m hat so my majin hat from dragon ball z but but yeah i used to just rock the door every single talk every single event every single speech it was my go-to like energy that i had so that's when i knew i could rock the door so i'll probably end up rocking more of like hats when i can go back out into the atmosphere you know and like we could actually go do stuff but yeah man that was how i got into fedora game Little personal branding tip right there, right? Pick something unique, go with it, and build your brand off of it. I mean, um, no. obviously, you didn't brand, build your brand off of Fedora, but it was, it was definitely part of it. So, yeah. Morgan, can't thank you enough for, for joining the podcast. I know you're, you're just incredibly busy. One of the things, I don't even know if you realize this, but one of the things that make you uniquely qualified to join the Sales Crew podcast is you and John Barrows have actually trained every single member of the crew family. Um, who is over the age of 21 and in the professional workforce. Wow. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> you, you and John have, have trained myself. I've, I've gone through two of your fill in the funnel training. My mom, I believe, brought you up to Portland to train the SDR team there. And yep. I just found out that my, that my dad, a couple weeks back, had John Barrows do kind of like a virtual lunch and learn for his SDR team um, in the Bay Area. So I think that's the first. I don't know if you've come across that before. No, that, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So I, I do want to thank you. I mean, you and John have made a big impact for me professionally and personally. So thank you very much. You, you guys put out a ton of good content and you guys truly are a positive force out there. No, we appreciate it. Before we kind of get into the topic at hand, I did see something yesterday that was super exciting out of JB sales. And I just wanted to get, you know, your perspective on it. Right. I mean, I've been seeing early in 2020, a lot of the media giants enter the subscription content wars, right? NBC, we got Disney Plus, and I've just been wondering, where are John Barrows and Morgan Ingram? Where is their on-demand content? Why aren't they getting into these subscription wars? You guys finally did it. Yeah, so we've been working on that for months, and we went to the studio in Vegas in December. And we went out to go create some content. So we were prepared for this on-demand platform. So a lot of work behind the scenes, you know, shout out to the team that, that did it, mainly, mainly Chris on that end. But we're, no, we're super excited that it's now launched Netflix style based on sales training content. So, you know, webinars are in there, live casts are in there, blog posts are in there, videos are in there, all in one place. Makes it super simple for everybody. So again, we're so super excited about it. So let me, let me get this straight. You're saying that you guys recorded and it's on demand, the same quality of content and stuff that you guys deliver in your in-person training. 
similar. Now, obviously, they're not on site anymore, right? So we don't have that piece. But like, yeah, it's the it's the public live cast. It's the quality of that content that we have. Like now, for more so, we saw it as individual contributors who maybe they aren't have ever gone through a formal sales training, or you know how organizations are today. Maybe they don't have the money for investing into sales training. Well, now again, we gave them that opportunity to go into this. Yeah, and that, that's where I was kind of going with the question because I mean, my mind that price tag is an absolute steal because like I said, I, I've taken the filling of the funnel trainings early in my career and no joke, those trainings alone have probably added six figures onto my you know, career earnings just through that wisdom you guys have passed down. Yep. So I think for like, and I'm curious to hear who the kind of target audience you have in mind engaging with that content is. For me, if you're a young SDR in your career and you're willing to roll up your sleeves and you know, take that content kind of like as you're in college and kind of a classroom where you're taking notes and, you know, you're doing flashcards and you're applying that to your craft. That's an invaluable resource. Yeah. So it's for people who are looking to learn, you know, who are hungry. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, they, they just will do what they need to do, et cetera. And that they're cool with that. This is for people who are like, no, I want to, like you said, roll up my sleeves. I want to get better. I want to grow. This is for them. Awesome. So, so kind of the main topic, right? I mean, I asked you to join six weeks ago, this podcast, I know you're a real busy guy, a lot's changed in the world in, in six weeks, right? I initially yeah. want to talk to you about sales, um, safe to say a lot's changed. So I, I did just want to devote the majority of the time here to the racial inequality that's out there. And, and it's kind of been highlighted through some of the recent current events. We had George, George Floyd's murder three weeks ago in Minnesota. Friday night in your hometown of Atlanta, Rashard Brooks, right? What's going on in the mind of Morgan Ingram right now? Yeah. So really for me, it's, it's being exhausted at this point. We've been in this pandemic for what, four months, four and a half months, five months now. And, you know, that was, a, that was something in itself. You know, we haven't been through, you know, pandemics don't come around like every year. Like it's a, obviously like a century type thing. And so I was already exhausted by that. However, I, I was pushing through. Now I'm just more exhausted because now I'm losing respect for individuals. I'm having hard conversations that I've never had before. And I'm seeing things happening in my city that I haven't seen before while still doing what I'm being asked to do, which is my job, which already is a whole nother level of exhaustion in itself, right? So really I'm exhausted by everything that's going on. And, you know, I know in the future, things will pan out the way that they need to pan out from an optimistic standpoint. But, you know, when you see all these things going on, you only just get exhausted. You know, I have someone who said it best. So Kevin Dorsey, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm tired. You know, I'm strong, but I'm tired, you know. So I'm always strong, but I'm definitely exhausted right now. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, I'm just talking, talking to you a little bit before we hit the record button. It just seems like this constant struggle between frustration and exhaustion, but, but yet optimism, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah you kind of have to be optimistic that things are going to get better and that, you know, the people on the streets are demanding change. Yeah. That's the thing is that this time around, it's a little bit different. Like they're social involved, right? So we can see the protests. We can see people comments. We can see the videos that people are posting. So you can see the people who are just not about the movement and now we can like discount them. So like it's different than what it was 40 years ago because, or in 50 years ago, there wasn't, any social media. Now there's social media where people can be like, oh no, that's wrong. And now I have a voice and now I know who's an ally and who's not an ally. And so that's a huge difference as well. That's why I'm optimistic about it. But obviously in the moment you're just exhausted and frustrated because you're like, man, like, is this going to get better? Like, 
is this going to change? And like, those are thoughts that come through your head. Yeah. And, and the, the, this in air quotes that you talk about, I mean, from my perspective, it, it kind of breaks out into two things. One is just the systematic racism in the country and the 400 years of history. Right. I mean, I don't think, and I'm just me as a white person, I'm just coming around to this where everywhere I look in society, like every juncture, I'm now seeing bias, prejudice, racism, right? And I'm sure that you've been living with that your entire life. So, you know, one, one of the things I see is the systematic racism. The other is the excessive use of force by, by police. Does it go farther than any of those two points in your mind? What do you see as kind of the main problems that need to change? So right now we're focused on the police, right? Which is part of it. However, it's bigger than that. And so, you know, a lot of people are telling me, hey, like, they want to post like from a white male perspective, they want to say, hey, stop killing black people. And I said, well, it's not just that. It's stop persecuting black people. And it's, yes, it has to do with the police. Yes, it happens when we get pulled over. But what about promotions, right? What about getting access to executive leadership positions? That doesn't happen a lot. What about just getting a job, right? What about getting into certain fields, right? Getting in certain places that you know, other people can't get into. So it's not just about police brutality, it's the system itself. Like it's harder, to, it's harder for an African-American to get access to certain things just based on their color alone, right? There's some fraternities you can't join. You know, I've been a victim of that, that you can't join because you're black. So it's not just the police, it's more than that. And so it's really about stop persecuting black people, not stop killing black people. So one of the things, like I was watching the, the Richard Brooks video and like, I've had run-ins with, with the police that were not too dissimilar to that. Yet me as a white person, I've never feared like for my life in those situations. And that, that one just like really hit home. And maybe, maybe this is a little too personal and I'll edit this out here after Morgan, but I mean, have you ever had run-ins with the cops and, and kind of like those similar experiences that, that you're willing to share just kind of as a, a black male? Yeah, I've had, I had one where I've been pulled over and it wasn't as aggressive as some others because I've been fortunate in a way that I've gone to a private school and I've had, you know, areas where they haven't been like crazy. Right. But there is one time where I got pulled over and I got asked, Hey, how did you get this car? And it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? How did I get this car? I bought it. Like, how else do you get a car? Yeah. Right. And Same so way you did. Yeah, you know, and like that, that is probably what I've, what I've faced on the highest end. For me, you know, I haven't faced as heavy of offenses as some of my brother and sisters. However, I know it is a fear. Like when I get pulled over, like I'm like, all right, well, this could go really bad. Like I could get arrested here. Uh, something bad could happen. I've been super fortunate that if I do have run in with the cops, they have, they have gone well. They haven't gone terrible. Like, to where obviously like you end up getting shot, you end up getting arrested for no reason. Yeah. One that really was, was bad in my sense was saying, Hey, look, like, how did you get this car? That to me was like, what are you talking about? You know? And then you already know that that's yeah. like, that question itself is, couldn't get more racist than that. I mean, it's because I was in a nice area when I got pulled over. Cause yeah. I had friends who live in nice areas. Yeah. I actually had a, I mean, I didn't have a similar experience, but I was, I, I was an SDR in Palo Alto at the time. And, we were hiring for other SDRs and one of the candidates, he was a black gentleman. Mm. And the last interview, he showed up an hour late and we were all wondering why he was late. And he rushes through, he rushes through the door and he's like, 
you know, sweating and he's exhausted. He had just ran from the parking lot to try to not be just to try to be 60 minutes late instead of 61 minutes late. And he said, I am not lying. I got pulled over by the police strictly because I drive a black Lexus with tinted out windows. Like there is no other reason. I was following every single laws and like similar to what you just described, the guy pretty much got accosted about, you know, driving a black Lexus with tinted out windows. Yeah. Like what? So, so how does it improve? I mean, for me personally, it's, it's voicing support, like being out there and active. And the other thing I can think of is, is really understanding and helping other people get out the vote, right? Election, election season is this November. What's on your mind in terms of how we, the people can enact change? So it's not going to be something overnight. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for is, is this going to happen in three months, six months? It's a marathon, right? This is an ongoing thing. So how does it change is that we all have to take our part one by one to take action. So offering up your skills, right? Is it mentoring someone in the community? Is it going on site somewhere and helping build something, right? Is it obviously people are donating, right? These are things that you can do. You know, we don't want it to just be like two weeks here where like people are feeling bad about it. It's this is an ongoing thing that you take in your life. Now, whether you post about that, whether you just do it behind the scenes, you need to take, if you are serious about it, you are going to be willing to take the action to make sure you can get to where you need to go. And that's what really matters at the end of the day. The other thing I see, I would be curious to get your opinion on this is you talk about it being a marathon, right? And one of the things I studied history um, in university, one of the things I've seen throughout the course of history is that it's easier to enact change by educating the younger generation than it is trying to fight kind of, kind of the war with people who have already had, you know, decades of experience. And I'll give you an example. My brother is 15 years old. And last week I made a point to, to have a conversation with him about this. And I got to be honest, I was shocked at how just how reasonable and how logical his perspective was. And like he was almost schooling me on certain points. Right. And like that gave me a lot of hope that the younger generation, how they're being raised up and, and kind of what they're seeing out there. They don't want to, you know, continue that when they grow up and be adults. It's, it's all about racism in itself isn't something you're born with. You know, they're not like the doctor doesn't say like, Oh, well, you got a racist kid. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's not how it works. And I think that's what people don't understand is that it's taught. So however, what your environment is, is how you're going to be brought up. So there are people, Sam, who have never left their city, not, not, not their state. They never left their city. They've never even seen someone who's Asian or black or even Hispanic. They've never even seen it before. So, you know, for them, it's a foreign concept. So when they run into something, someone that's not like them, and let's say 30 years of their life, they've never encountered anyone else of their race, like you're going to have a certain bias view because that's the environment you grew up in. So racism in itself is taught. So that's why it's important for everyone that is acting towards this, which is more so like anti-racism. Like, what is that? It's the action of speaking out against racism so it's telling your kids why is this going on right now let me tell you right not saying oh like it's not it's not your time it's like you need to teach them as young as possible it's about the youth and like empowering the youth to let them know what's going on so then they can correct the mistakes of the parents and grandparents that we have yeah yeah i don't know if you coined that that anti-racist uh, term or whatever but i've heard you use that before and it, like it really resonated in my mind because i think especially a lot of white people, they grow up in not racist households, but that's not the same as anti-racist. Mm. 
right? And exactly for the reason you just described, a not racist person, they might not have been exposed to other cultures or other types of people, but, you know, an anti-racist household or culture, like, is going to be very inclusive and proactive about teaching um, about other people and equality. Yeah, absolutely. Changing the lens a little bit kind of towards the world of technology sales, you, I think, have a very unique perspective. You, you consult with technology sales organizations on a, on an everyday basis, right? You see how they're run. You see the things that are happening. Do you see any parallels between what's going on with, with kind of the social revolution and, and some of the things that you see in technology sales? What do you mean by that? Unconscious bias, prejudice, right? Kind of being present at almost every step of the technology sales ladder and organization, right? You touched on it earlier in terms of uh, promotions or job opportunity, things like that, right? Like I'm thinking like, like when you walk into situations and I'm sure it's predominantly like white male audiences, right? At least that's been my experience with technology sales. Are there certain things that you observe that come off as bias or prejudice that you don't think that other people necessarily understand the vibe they're giving off? Yeah. Okay, cool. When I, when I go into a training, like I'm, there's normally no black people in that training <laughs> like, at all. It's normally 99% white people. And so that's what I walk into every single time. And I don't know where people stand, right? There could be people who just don't like black people. And I normally start off negative every time for most people. Cause they see me and they're like, all right, well, cool. We got someone who's black here. So I, I'm, I automatically started in the negative for some people where most people don't start off in the negative. They start on a zero or maybe like a 10. Right. But I sometimes start on a negative, like really want y'all to think about that. So every conversation wow. that I have, every single training that I have, that's where I start. So I have to provide value faster than anyone else because of what I look like. And that's, that's a sad reality, but that's the truth. And so by by me knowing that, I know I have to read more, seek out advice more, ask for feedback more, be more prepared than everyone else. And that puts more pressure on me. However, that's, I know that's what I have to do. And so that it's, it's a real thing, you know, especially when someone goes for an interview, when they go for a promotion, we as African-Americans have to be more prepared than others because we don't have the privilege. That, that hurts my heart hearing that, man. That's, yeah, wow. It, so I've seen a lot of kind of technology companies come out and kind of make these anti-racist statements, right? But at the same time, it's kind of this double standard of, wait a minute, your leadership doesn't exactly, not even close to resemble the statement you just put out. Hmm. One, is that is that reality okay? And, and is that like a positive thing that even even though companies haven't been perfect in the past that they're putting statements out there and are proactively focusing on it and addressing going forward. In your mind, is that thumbs up? Good it's about job action. by them. It's about, it's about action, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's funny because shout out to NASCAR. Yeah. NASCAR is, is taking action. Like the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, and the MLB aren't doing really anything about what's happening right now. But, but NASCAR out of all of the Think about that. NASCAR, oh, <laughs> out of all of the organizations, is the most proactive organization about this right now. That, to me, is crazy to think about. And I know there's history about NASCAR, about how they 
their movement is different than what people think it is. You know, I don't know the exact details on that. I watched a video on the other day. It was pretty fascinating talking about how it was really a political movement at the end of the day for a couple of things that were going on during, during that time. But again, I find it interesting that NASCAR is taking <laughs> more action than everyone else. And so that's the thing is that like anybody can post a post. Anybody can put out a video. Anybody can make a statement. Anybody can put a black square on their profile, whatever. The thing is like, what are you doing? Okay. You said that you are going to pay attention to more diverse crews. Are you going to HBCUs? Are you going to the high schools? Are you doing things that are uncomfortable? So it's, it's not about posting something that's not that uncomfortable. Right. It really is at the day. Cause like you can delete it if it's bad. The thing is the action is uncomfortable because you don't know, you don't know what that is. Like to go to HBCU, to go to a high school, I have to live uncomfortably every single day. Like I just said, I go to a training and I'm like, all right, cool. Like I'm black. There's, gonna, there's yeah. gonna be a couple people in here that don't like me. And not even what I said, they just straight up don't like me because of the way that I look. And I don't even get a chance. And that probably translates to every, every single other aspect of your life, right? Where you feel like you, you start like negative 10 yards behind everyone else, I would assume. Yeah. Every, like every time. And the thing is, I, I know that. And that's that I'm going into conversations already uncomfortable. So in order yeah. to invoke a change, you have to be uncomfortable. Everybody knows that. The thing is like, people aren't willing to do it because it's not something that they're used to doing. But if you're serious about change, you'll do those things. And we're going to see at the yeah. end of the day, like, you know, everyone that put out posts, videos, whatever, we're going to see who takes action. You know, my, my thing and my statement, this is what so we, me, me and a friend talked about this, but this is my statement now is being an action leader. Look, like I, I have no desire to ever be a thought leader. When someone calls me a thought leader, yeah, I don't, I don't really care about it. Like I want someone to, be, I want people to call me an action leader. Like that's the only thing I care about right now. Yep. And Hey, just quickly. Yeah. Shout out Bubba Wallace and NASCAR. That one was surprising to me too, but that yeah. was great to see. Absolutely. So do you think it's employees at the company it's their responsibility as well. If they see themselves as action leaders to hold their own leadership accountable after leadership kind of puts out these uh, thought leader type statements and, and how can kind of individual employees do that? Yes. And then here, here's the formula. So like, so when you say employees, are you saying white employees? Are you saying minority employees? Like, cause there's different action steps for both. Let's talk about them both. All right, cool. So let's talk about white ally. I made a post on this, right? Listen, educate yourself, take uncomfortable action. So super simple, right? Listen to your colleagues that maybe if you have colleagues that are African-Americans and listen, be like, Hey, we got zoom, right? Hey, can I just hop on a 30 minute zoom for you? I like to just hear your stories. I want to understand your perspective. I, I don't know anything about the situation. Talk to me, right? Especially if you're in sales, like that's what you do anyways. And then second is, Educate yourself. There are tons of posts out there of what literature and videos that you can be doing to educate yourself and send it to others. Right. Yeah. So that's the second piece. And then the third piece is take uncomfortable action. So I mentioned the HPCUs, the high schools, et cetera. Like that's highly uncomfortable. It's probably not something that you do ever. So like that's no, what you it's probably not. should yeah. be doing if you are serious about this. If you're not serious about it, yeah. then don't, then don't post about it. That's fine. Like pick your side. Yeah. But the thing is like, don't post about it and be like, Oh, don't post about it. And then be like, I'm not going to do anything. Right. Like yeah. don't, don't do that. So that's the way I go about it. So that's why alley. That's the thing you should be doing now. Uncomfortable action. That doesn't mean just going to HBCUs and high schools. That's calling people out. That's, that's anti-racism, right? Going back to the action. Like, yo, what you yeah. said there is off. Right. Or like, Hey, like 
you said you're going to do this, but you haven't. So it's about holding each other accountable there too. And so from the minority or the African-American standpoint, it isn't about listening and educating because we already know, right? We live it. So we don't need to do that. So really now what it is, is finding who are your allies that you can speak to these things about creating groups, creating awareness groups, like figuring out, okay, maybe we should do a book club, right? So it's pressing them on these things and then holding them accountable to what they said. Hey, you posted this statement. Why aren't these things happening? So really from an African-American standpoint, you can hold the company more accountable because they made these statements. And then if they're not doing the things that they should be doing, you should highly consider another organization to work for. I love that. I love, I love it. You keep bringing it back to accountability, right? I mean, that is kind of yeah. a hallmark of progress in, in professional or, or personal areas. So I, I think that that's a hundred percent on point. Well, Morgan, I want to thank you for, for just taking the time and, and opening up. I know it's, it's an uncomfortable topic and you know, your voice, I know you don't, you say you don't like being a thought leader, but you are a thought leader. You're also an action leader, but a lot, I know a lot of people out there listen to your voice and you know, I, you said you're going through, you know, a range of emotions. And I just want to reiterate from my perspective, you are an absolute stud. You are a force of nature and you are somebody who, you know, truly wants to, to be better yourself and truly wants to help like-minded individuals out there be better. And that's what society needs. So man, thank you so much for just everything you do. Thank you for, for joining the sales crew. And I'm sure we'll talk again. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. Thank you.